You're listening to Hardwired with Jeff Wickwire. Here's what's coming up in today's edition. You're not immune to falling. Not a one of you are immune to falling. I'm not immune to falling. None of us are immune to it. He said, if you think you're standing strong, be careful not to fall. That's why I shudder when I heard this preacher say, I don't sin anymore. I'm not tempted anymore. Really? If you think you're standing strong, dude, be careful not to fall. So this is teaching us that we need to have a daily dependence. Jesus even taught us to pray in the Lord's Prayer, deliver me from evil. Have you ever fallen from great heights? Have you ever been at the highest of highs in your life only to see it all crumble away in an instant? Today, Pastor Jeff reminds you that while failure isn't unavoidable, there is a way to find hope no matter what storm you're facing, Jesus. If you want to be at the top of your game and remain the person you know you want to be, surrender yourself to Him. Leave your burdens at the foot of the cross and be set free. Give the keys to Jesus and experience renewal like never before. Well, let's join Pastor Jeff in the book of Matthew chapter 4 as he begins his message, The Anatomy of a Temptation. Every temptation you and I will ever experience is going to fall in the category of one of the three temptations that Jesus went through, that he battled. And because he went through temptation without sin, he never sinned. Jesus never fell. He never had a fallen nature. He never needed to be born again because he was born pure and sinless and stayed that way. The Bible says we don't have a high priest who's unable to empathize with our weaknesses. You don't have a God up there that is, is off doing other things and doesn't really care about the temptations we face and the battles we go through. No, but he empathizes. That means it's stronger than sympathy. Empathy is he feels it with us. He feels it. He feels it when you hurt. He feels it when you're sorrowful. He feels it when you feel guilty. He, he feels it when you're in the, the oven of temptation. He feels it. He empathizes. We have one who has been tempted in every way, just like we are but he didn't sin. Isn't that powerful? How have you been tempted this week? Because if your heart is beating, you've been tempted this week. How were you tempted this week? Jesus felt that. Jesus experienced that. He just never fell. He never succumbed. He never gave in. He defeated the devil. Thoroughly, fully, consummately whooped him. Amen? Amen. I'm going to take those three temptations and, uh, that he battled, and I'm going to deal with them one at a time. Because every one of them is so profound. And we've got to see the meaning why. We've got to see what the devil was after when he, in those three temptations. What was the devil after? What was he trying to do? And, there, and he has no new bag of tricks. When he tried with Jesus, he's going to try it with you and me. Today, I'm going to lay a foundation on temptation and just take a look at temptation itself. What is it? What is temptation? How does it work? How does it work? Uh, who and what is behind it? And, and most of all, how to defeat it, how to win over temptation. The Lord does not want his people constantly defeated by temptation. He, he wants us in victory. I didn't say perfect, but I'm talking about 
riding the crest of the wave, not drowning. He wants us to win. Now, the first thing I want to point out about temptation is obvious, but here it is anyway. Everybody is going to face it. I heard a preacher a couple of weeks ago on uh, YouTube. He literally said, I'm not tempted anymore. And he said, I don't sin anymore. And I thought to myself, boy, are you in trouble? Hang on, buddy. (laughs) Because my Bible tells me if we confess our sins and and we are going to mess up, we all mess up. We all fall short of the glory. That's why we need a savior. And no, there's no such thing as sinless perfection. No, 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 no. Every day we must hang on to God, get into his word, get filled with the Holy Spirit and lean on him to defeat temptation. But Paul said, no temptation has overtaken you, but what is common to mankind. Common. So temptation is common to mankind. It's common. You're going to experience it. I'm going to experience it. And we're going to experience it until we go to heaven. And glory to God in heaven, there's no more temptation. You know why? Because there's no more flesh. There's no more flesh and there's no more devil. In heaven, we will be temptation free. But until then, we've got a fight to win. The apostle Paul went further to say, you're not immune to falling. Not a one of you are immune to falling. I'm not immune to falling. None of us are immune to it. He said, if you think you're standing strong, be careful not to fall. That's why I shudder when I heard this preacher say, I don't sin anymore. I'm not tempted anymore. Really? If you think you're standing strong, dude, be careful not to fall. So this is teaching us that we need to have a daily dependence. Jesus even taught us to pray in the Lord's Prayer, deliver me from evil. Deliver me today from the evil one. Lead me not into temptation, but deliver me from the evil one and his traps and snares and schemes and pitfalls that he lays for me every day. Every day. Falling into the trap of temptation is the story of mankind. Most headlines you and I see any given day are the result of somebody falling into temptation of some kind. Adultery, stealing, lying, embezzling, some illicit drug, hurting somebody, assaulting them, murdering them. All of these and more routinely become somebody's story. And that's why we're so drawn to it. Because we see how they fell, and we know good and well, that could have been me. Our attitude is often, how could they do that? How stupid was that? You know, anytime you fall to a temptation, it's stupid. Amen? But we say, I could never do that. I can't believe they did that. What were they thinking? You know what? They weren't. They were feeling. They were not thinking. The Living Bible puts it this way, so be careful if you're thinking, oh, I would never behave like that. Let this be a warning to you, for you too may fall into sin. So we'll all be tempted, and any of us can fall. And that's the way you ought to face God every day. Lord, today, you're my strength. You're my power. You're my keeper. You're the upholder of my head. You're my strength today. 
Now, when you delve into the subject of temptation, you find the Bible makes a distinction between temptation and testing. And I want to just show you quickly the difference. Testing is when God tests your faith. Temptation is when you are tempted to sin. They are very different. Testing and temptation are not the same. And the entire first chapter of James is committed to showing the distinction between testing and temptation. It says, for instance, that Abraham's faith was tested by God. It says in Genesis 22, 1, later, God tested Abraham and called to him, Abraham, yes, here I am, he answered. God said, take your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to Mount Moriah, sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains that I will show you. But God was not tempting him into sin. God was testing the depth of his obedience. Chances are the majority of Christians in here are having your faith tested as I speak. In some area of your life, God is allowing your faith to be tested. It drives you into the word. It drives you into prayer. It, it drives you to lean on the grace of God. It drives you to, to, to persevere and to endure through a tough time. But here's the good news. When you come out on the other side, your faith is stronger, more mature, more able to defeat the enemy in your life. It's like when, uh, say, Ford comes up with a new model for a, a new car. It's a brand new model, and they want to test it. They will take it under rigorous crash tests. Do they, why do they do it? They don't do it to destroy the model. They do it to find the weaknesses and make it stronger and better and safer and more efficient for you and me. They test it. God tests our faith. James 1 verse 2 says, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. But let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. Do you notice there? He says there's a huge benefit to the testing of our faith. He says, count it all joy. Well, I don't feel like counting it all joy when my faith is being tested. I want it to end. But he said, learn to count it all joy. How can I count it all joy? Because of the end product. The end product is going to be stronger, better, more mature faith. He strengthens our faith. That's what God does. But then you come to temptation. And starting in verse 13, James wants us to know real clearly temptation to sin never comes from God. He said, when tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. God can never be tempted by evil. He is oblivious. He is immune, totally immune to evil. And he will not tempt you or I to sin, ever. He will never tempt us. He doesn't do that to us. He tests our faith, but he never tempts us to sin. So never let the devil tell you, well, God has put this in front of you. If it's wrong, no, 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 because God can't do that, won't do that anymore than I would tell my son as a little boy to run off onto I-35 and stand there. He would never do it. 
Amen. Well, then what is the real source and cause of temptation? Where does it come from? When we're tempted and all of a sudden the emotion sweeps over us and a, a wrong impulse seems to grab us and a thought comes into our mind to go do this, that, or the other, we know is wrong. Where does that come from? Well, the Bible says Satan is the great tempter. Remember our text, Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted, not by God, but by the devil. And the tempter came to him and tempted him. The devil's stock and trade is temptation. That's what he does. You want to know what the devil does? He doesn't play fair. He cheats. He schemes. He plots. He exploits. He's out to bring us down. He, he tempts. He knows how to make evil look right. He, he's a master at sugarcoating sin. He paints sin to appear innocent, harmless, even reasonable. Do this. It makes sense. Do it. It makes sense, doesn't it? Eve, eat of the, eat of the tree because God knows that if you do, you're going to become like him. It's reasonable, Eve. But the tempter's temptations never come to help us. They always come to destroy us. Jesus said, you want to know if the devil's involved? The thief, the devil, comes only. Now, so that tells me he never approaches but what it's to steal, to kill, and destroy. He only, the devil comes only. The thief, the thief comes only. If it's not to steal, kill, and destroy, he's not interested. He comes only to take you down, only to ruin your life, only to ruin your testimony, only to destroy. He, only. Everybody say only. only. In the Greek, that means only. <laughs> In his temptations, Satan never shows his hand. Have you ever noticed that? He never tells you the truth about it. He sugarcoats it. He's hiding his true intent and he's hiding the consequences. He never shows his hand, never reveals his game plan. He never exposes the end, the reaping day, the regret, the guilt, the condemnation, the shame. He never reveals it. The devil minimizes consequences and maximizes the pleasure of it. Do you know that in every temptation, there's a promise? If there wasn't a promise in it, you'd never do it. Neither would I. But in every temptation, there's a promise. If you do this, I'll, you will have peace. Uh, you'll have joy. You'll have fun. You'll be fulfilled. It'll help you cope. It's hell's sales pitch. Hell always has a sales pitch. And, and it keeps on working with people. Go ahead. You deserve a break today. Go ahead and do that. God understands. Go ahead. It's going to help you. There's always a promise. But he's a liar. He always lies. How do you know he's lying if he's talking? That's how you know the devil's lying. Because he can't talk without lying. Oh, yeah, he'll give a half-truth, but never the whole truth. 
He'll lie. He'll tell you a lie about what he's trying to coax you to do. Think about this. All the way back in the garden, the devil says to Eve, hey, Eve, you're not going to die if you eat of that tree. No, 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 no. God just told you that because he's holding back from you. No, Eve, if you eat of the tree, you're going to be like God. You're going to have wisdom. Your mind is going to be expanded. He gave Eve a bunch of new age promises. And you, but, but, but then he ended it with, you want, you're not going to die. That's a lie. God lied to you. You're not going to die. But two chapters later, it says Adam died. And all of his descendants, seven generations are listed in chapter five of Genesis. They died too. So Satan lied and Adam died. Satan lied and the whole human race died. That's why you got to see through the lie. You got to know how to handle temptation. Now, right alongside the devil, there's another source of temptation that I got to mention, and that's the flesh. Now, I know you don't deal with your flesh very often, but I'm going to go here just for a minute. Now, when I say flesh, I don't mean when you're thirsty or hungry. I don't mean that. That's not what I'm talking about. It's sarks is the Greek word. It means that pull towards sin, that pull towards sin, that pull downward towards sin, the flesh that got you and me in all of our trouble, the flesh. That's what he's talking about. Each person is tempted when they're dragged away by their own evil desire and enticed. So Satan exploits our own fleshly desires and weaknesses. He exploits them. He, he plays the strings of our flesh. He works for our flesh. Hate to break it to you, but you've got two natures inside of you, and I'm not telling you you're schizophrenic either. But there's two natures. If you're born again, you've got two natures in you. You've got the born again nature, and, and the flesh is still there. And the Bible says the flesh battles the spirit, and the spirit battles the flesh in you and me. All the time. Jesus said the spirit is willing. Oh yeah, but your flesh is so weak. The message paraphrase puts it this way. The temptation to give in to evil comes from us and only us. We have no one to blame but the leering, seducing flare-up of our own lust. The devil didn't make you do it. Generational curse didn't make you do it. Uh, the way you were raised didn't make you do it. No, we got to own up. When we mess up, we need to fess up that it was my flesh. That's why the Bible says, the Bible says, make no provision for the flesh to fulfill the lusts thereof. Don't make provision. Don't, don't give it a chance to manifest. John even identifies three gateways the flesh uses. The lust of the flesh the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. What you hunger for, what you look at, and what appeals to your pride. Those are all strings the devil plucks to get into you and lure your flesh. We battle the flesh each and every day, don't we? How many of you have fought your flesh? I got to tell you, raspberry donut, I looked at that thing. It's glistening with glaze. I know that if I take one bite, it's full of raspberry jelly. Everything my flesh is going to rejoice over. 
I looked at it. I had to open up the top to get to it. And I said, Jeff, don't open up the top because if you open up the top, you're going to go for it. <laughs> Amen. Yeah, and we kind of all kinds of justifications for our flesh. I read of a man who was on a diet and he was struggling with his diet. And one day he had to go downtown as he started out. He remembered that his route would take him right by the donut shop. As he got closer, he thought, hey, maybe a cup of coffee would hit the spot. Maybe I should just pull in. Then he remembered his diet and he knew how weak he was. And that's when he prayed, Lord, if you want me to stop for a donut and coffee, let there be a parking place right in front of the shop. (laughs) You ever prayed that way? He said, sure enough, I found a parking place right in front on my ninth time around. (laughs) Oh, it's God. (laughs) What does this say? God will never tempt you (laughs) to sin. But now James describes, and I'm going to get right to this and, and close out today. James describes four levels or four stages of any temptation. Really, it's the anatomy of a temptation. And, and he begins with the bait. Here it is. In, this is James 1. Each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desire and enticed. Enticed means the bait. Now, when I lived in East Texas, I became very good at bass fishing. Because everybody bass fished. There wasn't anything else to do. So you either played dominoes or you bass fished. And so I got a boat and I learned how to bass fish. Now here's what I learned. A good fisherman is a good deceiver. What you really want to do is become very good at deceiving fish. So you, I spent hours in Walmart picking out this lure, that lure, this rod, that rod, all kinds of things that would help me. And I learned... I learned to get on that lake and now the lure is on the top. I learned to go make it jerk and twist and look real. And what I'm hoping is, I hope that bass is stupid today. (laughs) Because I just want him to hit it. If he'll just hit it, I got him. And my whole intent was to lure him into biting something that would take away his life. Oh, I had a plan for that bass. Yep, my live well and then my table. And so I learned how to play that bait in hopes the bass would hit it, and I learned how to do it. Satan's the same way. Every day, he will throw something your way. He'll he'll cast it. And it comes before you and he, you go, it is good for me. That is something I should do. God will understand. I'm going for it. That's the bait stage. The bait stage. Temptation begins with the bait. He puts it right in front of you and he's a pro at it. He's a pro fisherman. It's worked for all these thousands of years and he still uses it today. He throws bait right in front of you and he knows exactly what will appeal to you. He knows exactly what will go for your brain, your flesh, your past. Where he got you in the past, he'll try to get you now. Now the first stage, the temptation stage, I got to throw this in, is the best time to beat the temptation. 
because you, you haven't bitten yet. You haven't gone for it yet. You're just looking at the bait. It's dangled in front of you. And, and the devil is saying, come on, try that drug. Have you ever felt isolated in your sin? Have you ever felt like a failure for crawling back again and again to the mistakes that are destroying you? In today's message from Pastor Jeff, he encouraged you to never forget your place in God's kingdom. When you give your heart to Jesus, there is nothing that you could ever do to separate yourself from His glory. Be reassured in the strength of your faith. Jesus has always been and always will be right by your side. Here's Diane with some more info about Hardwired. You've been listening to Hardwired with Jeff Wickwire. Would you be interested in helping support this ministry as we further the gospel? All you have to do is go to hardwired.org and click on Donate. For anyone who donates $20 or more in the month of December, we'll send you a 2024 calendar with daily scripture readings. Just go to hardwired.org to donate. Here's Daniel one more time with a sneak peek about the next edition. No matter where we're at in our faith, temptation constantly wears us down. Whether it's an addiction we can't beat or a toxic relationship, sin always has a way of finding its way back into our lives. In the next installment of Hardwired, Pastor Jeff wants you to know that if you want to stay on top of your mistakes and leave your burdens in the rearview mirror, never stop communicating with God. Lift up your prayers to heaven and leave your hang-ups at the door. That's all we have for today's edition of Hardwired with Jeff Wickwire. If you'd like a copy of today's message, you can download it from our website, hardwired.org. Be sure to tune in again as Pastor Jeff continues teaching through the book of Matthew next time 